0: Our approach, we actually don't even use the term marketing internally because we really don't believe in pushing people to do things or being manipulative to get them to buy something.
1: Hey there and welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the top podcast for e-commerce insights where we get to hear from executives leading the charge at the most innovative Fortune 500 companies to the fastest growing startups today, and everything in between. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. If you're well-versed in the beauty space, you may look at Desium and think, hmm, this looks like a very different type of beauty brand. It's because it is. Decium is a company behind global powerhouses like The Ordinary, and it's more focused on education than manipulation. On today's episode, we talk with Jordan Dyke, Desium's Digital Director, all about acquisitions, global expansion, and how they've taken the skincare world by storm, simply by telling it like it is. Enjoy today's episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and hmm, maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I already knew it would be a good fit when I found out one of your cat's names was Avocado. So it's pretty clear we're going to get along great <laughs> when you're naming animals after food. So thanks for joining me. I'm really excited to hear all about what you're up to at Desium. But first, I want to go back in history a bit because you've had a lot of very interesting roles. You've worked at a lot of places when it comes to the e-com world. And I wanted to hear a bit about you and how you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I didn't go to school for for like digital or anything like that because it wasn't even an option. I went to school for marketing, and I kind of was like teetering between like an analytical brain and like a creative side of my brain, and and so that then I kind of like as I was getting into jobs throughout my schooling, I stumbled upon some jobs where that were a bit more on the analytical side and I I liked that part of it I think because I liked being able to quantify things um and then being in the marketing space as well kind of helped expose me a bit to the digital side of things and I was like oh like it's cool like I can pair this digital side of, of things with This quantifying of of data and understanding like what's working and what's not, and so that's kind of what initially steered me in that direction. And then was fortunate enough to to get in through uh, to some cool jobs through co op positions in school that exposed me to a bunch of different verticals. So I I was able to touch on on everything from from fashion to um, online grocery, which uh, at the time was really up and coming and and a net new kind of industry in Canada, and then eventually ended up in a beauty related industry position. And, um, and then that's how I kind of hopped over to Decium.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a bit about Desium. I mean, I kind of already have a bit of context because we did have the CEO of The Ordinary, he came on maybe a few months ago. So I have a little bit of context. But for anyone who doesn't know, can you give an overview of what Desium is?
0: Sure. Yeah. So Decium is an umbrella company of beauty brands. We're kind of like an incubator of um, innovation in the beauty space. Our most popular brand um, that most people are familiar with is The Ordinary. And that's really what propelled a lot of our, our growth as a company. And we recently, I think it was around this time last year, we had a big purchase through Estee Lauder. So over the next three years, they'll be um taking over full control or ownership of the company and so we're really excited about that partnership because um, it opens up a lot of resources on both sides and I think like it's it's fun because we're learning from them and they're learning from us and and there's there's a lot of, of exposure to different lines of business and different brands and stuff that that we we can tap into and be better
1: uh, that's awesome I mean I'm sure there's a lot of uh, interesting stories going on when a big company comes and purchases you. And I want to also hear, I mean, you just mentioned earlier before we were recording that, you know, you all just undertook a big digital transformation and I'm thinking, okay, then Essay Lauder comes in and, you know, buys you guys, do you have to do another one? And what's that like?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're fortunate because like our culture is very agile and flexible Um, And and quite young, I would say, too. Um, And that's allowed us to be really comfortable, I think, in a space where historically in this industry, it's been quite rigid and like there's a certain way of doing things. And so I think that's that's in part why Estee Lauder bought us, to be honest, is to learn from us on that side of things. And so, um, you know, I think there was some fear Kind of going into it internally that like they were gonna they're you know gonna come in they're gonna change us they're gonna make us all these like corporate robots and stuff and like that is like the complete opposite of our culture and um and I mean pleasantly surprised I would say so far in that like they're they're actually very humble um and their culture aligns a lot closer to to ours than we initially expected and it's it's really formed this great partnership. And so, yeah, I mean, I think our digital transformation in particular was something that we knew we had to do. Um, we came from a place where we were this small startup, um, started the company in 2013. And at the time, there was no like Shopify or, you know, easy like plug-in solutions for for startups that really made sense financially. And our founder also had a background in in program engineering um and so it just made sense like we'll just build everything ourselves and it will be cheaper and we can customize it and make it whatever we want and and then over the course of of the years we started to go viral and explode and and all of a sudden this this small startups like, oh, my God, I, like, how do we like manage the all of the things that we need to add to this platform? And how do we scale and grow and and um, be able to support this behemoth of a business that we've like, stumbled upon um, with the systems with that we have, and they served us so well for so long. Um, so I think it was like, it was a hard decision to make. But ultimately, we decided that, you know, it's time for us to move to something different. So we actually Invested in into the Salesforce ecosystem um, with Commerce Cloud, Service Cloud, um, and Marketing Cloud across the board, and that's really allowed us to to scale a lot faster and not have to worry about you know if the site's going to crash tomorrow. Yeah. Are we going to have people available to like fix it and stuff like that? Because like the stability of the of the platform is there, and that allows us to then think about other cool things like you know, let's build live shopping on our site or, you know, what's the next big thing in e-commerce that we can, that we can do and, and really allow us to, you know, do what we, what we do best, which is, is innovate and think outside of the box.
1: Mm-hmm. Were there any features that you were really excited about when you were moving over to Salesforce ecosystem that other than just having a stable environment, which is key, like you said, when you're growing quickly and you have a lot of interest, you can't just have your website crashing. So other than like the foundational piece, are there any features that really pulled you over to that platform?
0: I mean I th- I think one of the really great things about Salesforce's ecosystem is is their background in CRM and we kind of recognize that you know what really what we really want to set ourselves apart is is you know the unique experiences that we can that we can bring to people and what better way to do that through communication with your with your customers. And so That was a really great basis to give us. And we knew that with that, we would have all of the tools to share the data that we're collecting in all of these different sources and put it into a way that will allow us to really tap into that and and do some really cool things and, you know, personalize and segment and, you know, not think about our customers as like one single person that we're talking to, but like talk to everybody individually um, so that was that was a big part of it. And then and then I think, you know, like we having everything built in house, we didn't have a lot of like fundamental tools like a, a content management system or like, um, you know, a promo engine and, and things like that, that like you just kind of think are are really standard today. But um, at the time before we moved over, it was really overwhelming because we want to do a lot of these cool, innovative things. And, and our teams are really great at like, forward thinking and, and trying to do the next big thing and, um, and be ahead of the curve. But it was so hard to move in that direction when like, we couldn't even like, update an image on our website easily. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I feel those struggles. I feel like updating our website right now has been like a multi-year process and little things that are taking <laughs> like, way longer and you're like oh my gosh i just want the clarity of this image to be better that's all i'm asking people mm-hmm. but uh that's awesome so i i want to hear about you know you mentioned the marketing angle and it was really interesting looking at desium's website and seeing you know the way that you go about marketing the products and how okay these products are not coming from marketers they're coming from scientists who you know really care about the ingredients and all that and i want to hear how you use that approach you know, on all channels, because it's definitely unique. And I feel like it hit it hit home so quickly for me where I was like, Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's like one of the things that's that kind of disrupted the industry is the way we talk about our products. And really what we in how, how we develop new products and everything, it starts with the lab, um, like it's, it really comes down to the ingredients, it comes down to the the science behind how these products come together and i think like where that all really stemmed from and what kind of sparked the ordinary was um our founder who he before starting decium and a few other um beauty startups before we kind of landed on on the gem that was the ordinary um had worked a bit in in the beauty industry and and he was doing kind of financials he could see some of the financials in the background of like these products and he was like Is such a ripoff. Like, you know, how how are how are these these big brands getting away with charging such huge prices for these products? And he could see like the raw ingredients and what they cost to go into it. And he was like, like, this is just not fair. And Trent, and so he that was kind of the basis of what he thought of when when we went when he when he built Decium was to bring that transparency and integrity to the beauty industry. And so, you know, you'll notice in the ordinary line, for example, the products are actually like the names of the products are actually the ingredients and the concentration of that ingredient in them. Yep. And that was that was a big game changer in the industry. And we, we started to see copycats and, and some of these big brands that are now doing that. And it's been both a, a blessing and a curse, I think, because it's it's not only disrupted the industry, um, but it's but it's also been a lot of education. And I think those those fundamental people we call them skin intellectuals that they're they're a group of people like that, that kind of started with us from the very beginning like they're they're people that are really passionate about the skincare industry and um kind of try they're the people that try things out for the first time tell all their friends about it and um that's really what what started desium like the and and the ordinary success was these these group of people trying everything and and they actually knew very well the ingredients that go into all these products. And we're like, oh, finally, I, I can buy some niacinamide. And like, I know exactly what I'm buying. And oh, hey, it's only six bucks. Um, so and all of a sudden, we started to be able to have this narrative with people that didn't net like, if you go back, like, you know, even five years, if you talk to like, you know, an average skincare user, they wouldn't know what hyaluronic acid was. Um, and now, you know, there's still a lot of a ways to go, I think, but like, it's great to see people recognizing those types of things a lot more and, and understanding like what ingredients do and why I would want to use them on your, on my skin.
1: Yep. Yep. I love that. I mean, how did you approach it when it, or how do you think about this now when it comes to, you know, you've got this one audience who is, you know, avid fans, probably they want to know all the ingredients. Like they walk into a store and they're like, Oh yeah, I just need that one ingredient. And like, very educated in the beauty market. And then you probably have the others maybe closer to me sometimes where it's like, oh, I'm used to, you know, I just know this brand maybe, or I know my dermatologist just said, go and get this one. Like, how do you, have you been approaching those two segments to like really educate someone like me that is used to probably the marketing messages and the brands and like, oh, you just need this three-step process. Don't worry about what's in it. Like, how do you go after someone like me?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say, first of all, like our approach we actually don't even use the term marketing internally because um, we're we really don't believe in like a pushing people to do things or like you know mm. being manipulative to get them to buy something. And it's real like so where the way we kind of approach things is is how can we how can we be educational? How can we um, add value to to solve? problems that people are looking to solve. Um, and so and what you're describing is this, uh, um, this kind of balance of how do you communicate with the intellectual versus like, you know, maybe the newbie, let's call them. It's a balancing act because I think what we don't want to do is, is alienate one group by talking to the other. Um, and so having a lot of content that's focused on education throughout the experience that we have um, is is a part of that fundamental and and you know like if I think about you know what what differentiates buying on decium.com versus buying the, our same product on sephora.com it's it's the communication and connection that you have with our brand and the experience that we're able to give you through our our DTC experience that you wouldn't be able to experience to the same level um, if you were to buy on on some of those bigger beauty, beauty sites. And so, you know, I think what we like to do is like layer in messaging. Like we don't like to dumb things down. We don't want people to feel like, you know, we're just cutting out the meat of it just so like you can understand it. Um, but we do recognize like there's a certain element of access- accessibility to that and, you know, I think there, what we what we've been trying to balance is that right level, um, so that we can we can give the skin intellectuals that that meat that they like, while also giving in a way that that if you're not a scientist, you could still understand it. Yep. Um So it's it kind of what I mean. Ultimately, what we'd love to move towards is a more dynamic website where we can. Tailor that content and and message uh, on the site to those different groups. It's a journey that we're that we're on. So right now, it's kind of you know having both types of content in one place. But I think I think with the evolution of 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 the e commerce industry and the technology that's becoming available, those are the types of things that um that we'll be able to do more and 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 really resonate better with with different groups of people.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this will be a side question now, but I'm wondering like, what are your favorite Desium products? What do you use? You use them best and you know, I'm like, I need a new routine. So tell me what you got.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like I actually, before starting at Desium could not tell you the first thing about anything skincare. And so I came in, I was like, you know, one of those newbies and I was like, I can't even pronounce half the things that I'm supposed to talk about in, in my initiatives and, um, and so um, thankfully, I was able to kind of educate myself through a lot of the, the content that we have available and um, landed on, for me, niacinamide okay. um, is a really great serum that I use daily. And it's great for minimizing the congestion on your face. And I have like a really oily complexion and I, I suffer from acne. Um, it doesn't solve acne, but it definitely helps kind of like reduce the amount of oil on my face that I know is is kind of a contributing factor to that. Um, and then hyaluronic acid is my like second go-to, especially right now, yeah. it's like really, really dry in Toronto. And I'm just like slathering my face with it all the time because it is a great hydrator.
1: Mm. All right, good. I, I wrote both of them down. So now I know. That's awesome. Okay. Now back to the commerce piece. Tell me um, how you all are thinking about retail? like, What are you rolling out over the next couple of years or how are you betting on it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess if I take a step back a bit, like, we're a global company. And um, the way we've been able to really start to resonate in different areas and the, and the way we kind of first Build awareness in in a region is through through our retailer partnerships. So whether it's Sephora or or Alta or you know something some I forget actually right now the name of the Mexican one um, that we just expanded into. But like those are the that's our first foray into there. And and yeah, we have our e commerce kind of delivering everywhere. But it's hard to build that awareness um, when you're not you know there and and more prominent in in. The beauty industry there so that's really our, our like the first kind of tiptoe into that and they those those partnerships that we have are really great for you know putting investment towards our brand that we maybe at weren't able to do um had they have the resources there like right now we don't have a mexican a team in mexico right so to be able to tap into a team over there that it believes in us and is going to be able to put resources behind our brand um, is really awesome. So that's that's from a like partnership perspective. That's that's how we kind of first approach things, and then and then from there we we look at from a DTC perspective. Okay, um, you know where are the areas that we see the most amount of growth? And we work really closely with with marketing partners like Google, who are able to to tell us you know where are people searching for the ordinary the most. Um, and we can see through our e-commerce like where there's up and coming growth of sales and stuff like that and, and even traffic on our website. For example, you know, we have a ton of traffic um, in, coming to our site in India and we're like, oh, like, wouldn't it be great if like we we invested the resources to like grow there? Um, so like that, those kind of give us the building blocks and then we do some more thorough analysis to kind of understand, okay, you know, then what does it take to, to really, you know, build An experience that's going to resonate for those different groups.
1: There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're gonna go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly that is break the status quo tune into mission daily wherever you listen to your podcasts see you there are there any surprising trends that you see happening right now where you know maybe it's from the search traffic maybe it's from people visiting your website like anything that's kind of surprising you right now
0: well i mean i think we our our whole team was really surprised when um and we didn't, it was, it was interesting because we received this as like secondhand knowledge um, from one of our partners look fantastic in the UK. And they had done an analysis and um, had done an interesting study that illuminated that we were the top search, our, our AHA, BHA product um, for the ordinary was the top search beauty product in, and I'm going to like butcher the number, but it was like a crazy amount of countries. And we're like, wow, that's so cool. Um, And then that just like sparks a lot of like, you know, oh, we're doing the right things. Like, what else can we do? How can we how can we do this again? Like, it's it's really fun. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's
1: great. I'm sure everyone listening who has a company is like, well, how do I get other countries looking for my, you know, product? So like, was there anything that was happening behind the scenes that you feel like um, drove that, you know, searchability to where you had a big uptick, you know, from searches from India? Like, how was that happening? I'm guessing there had to be something going on to like drive that interest.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes back to the, our differentiating factors as a brand, which is uh, like the high quality of our products. First of all, like it's Mm -hmm. like the products speak from themselves. So it's like, you don't even have to do much as some, you just need to get somebody to try it. And all of a sudden, like they're hooked kind of thing. And the price is, is so accessible that, you know, you're not really breaking the bank to try that product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, for the HABHA product, product, um, it's got some, some interesting features to it. Like it's this like really dark red color and, um, and you like put it on your face and you like peel it off. So like it presents really well. So I think that was maybe a little part of like what made it interesting. And, um, and the big piece for that one that really solidified its growth was was tiktok it's because i think it was so interesting and all, like the fact that it's a great product and the fact that like you can show like a cool video and stuff with it on your face um through tiktok it would just like exploded um yeah. and then we just had all of the these different areas and groups that as they're kind of discovering tiktok really really started getting introduced to our brand mm mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And that was Decium created that those types of videos. It wasn't
0: user created though, right? No. Yeah. No, it was actually, was all user generated.
1: Oh, oh, got it. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, that's even better if you've got users posting those um, videos that you can't take your eyes off of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Are there any other platforms that you guys are excited about right now? I mean, TikTok to me seems like a very obvious one for your brand and also like the presentation of the products. I mean, the ordinary always comes to mind for me because every time I go into Alta or like they're always there, and I'm always like, oh yeah, they stand out well. Um, but is, are there any other platforms that you guys are investing in or trying out right now?
0: I mean, we're always trying and looking at trends and where where people are. And I think like you know, as we start to think about like who who we want our customer base to be, or like who like where is there opportunity for our brand? Like if I think about, for example. You know, the fact that our brand is unisex is is something that I don't think a lot of people realize. And so often we'll get people like males ask us like, oh, I see that you got all these products, but like, do you have anything for men? And we're like, well, it's all for men. It like, you know, it's skin. So you can u- you can use all of it the same way that, you know. Yeah. Like our skin is so different. Yeah, come on. <laughs> exactly. So I think like you know that's an audience that there's an opportunity for us to do a bit more education and talking to, and so it's not so much about like you know being in the next big platform because I think you know those opportunities come and and go, but also like where where are those audiences? Yep. And um and you know the audience that is that is prominently in in the platforms that we're in today might not be the, the ones that might not be where the opportunity is for us to reach new groups of people and, and educate new new groups of people that have never heard about us yeah so
1: earlier you mentioned live shopping which kind of ties into this i want to hear you know how you guys are maybe experimenting with that is it working and yeah i want to hear some details on that
0: yeah we we haven't experimented with it yet, but it's like top of mind for us, and we see a lot of okay. opportunity there. Um, we actually we we like to I like to keep an eye on the stuff that's happening in in the Asian market, whether it's China or like South Korea, because I find like they're they're usually like three to five years ahead of us in terms of the things that they're doing. Um, and the level yeah. of which it's ingrained in in what they do, especially beauty. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, there was a trend that we we see becoming more and more prominent coming coming over to to the more Western world. Is you know, and and we actually the first first time we kind of realized like how big it could be, um, and the fact that we kind of wanted to inve- investigate it a bit more was. Um, we sell on Tmall in, in China and they facilitated some live shopping events for us out there and it, it exploded. Like it, it was like, like in, in a matter of like a couple hours, the amount of excitement and um, engagement with our brand was, was like unseen and we're like, wow. If we can do that in like an hour in in China, where we have we don't have as much visibility and we're still kind of growing and establishing our brand, imagine what we could do in North America.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. That, oh, that's awesome. Well, that'll be exciting to see how you guys kind of play in that arena eventually. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think tests like that are so interesting to be able to see. I mean, we watched uh, there was this video where this professor was showing. Okay, here's what live shopping can do, and they did it on the screen and they sold out of this item in like 2 minutes or something wild and i feel like that was a video that always you know got shipped around to people to be like here's what is possible and shopping can just be done in a very different way depending on where you are which is to figure out what are those methods and how do they how do you connect with those you know different users and uh, customers
0: yeah and it's a really great um, medium for our brand in general cuz it aligns really well with how we that education piece of of our brand, and you know, really being able to like have more of a human connection um, on a on a broader scale with our customers, um, it, it's it's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I want to hear now, what are you most excited about over the next couple years? It can be personal. We can talk about your new house. We can talk about your cats. We can talk about work. Whatever you want, wherever you want it to go. But what are you most excited for and looking forward to?
0: i um I would not say I'm like a crypto geek, like I know some people are like really invested in that, but I'm like kind of cautiously invested on the sidelines mm-hmm. um and i I don't know exactly where it's gonna go, um but this whole like you know crypto like web three stuff going on, um even with like you know Facebook's like metaverse stuff like. I don't know it seems like really ab- abstract right now but I I think some of it's going to end up sticking over the next like 5 to 10 years um and I'm excited to kind of see how how that evolves commerce e-commerce and and you know methods of payment um the way we transfer information privacy laws things like that like I think I'm really really looking forward to kind of seeing how that goes and I'm I'm also hoping, from an investment point of view, that I put some some of my money in the right place.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure you did. I mean, I feel like if you just get a little bit of something everywhere, you'll one of them has to do well, right? Yeah. I, don't know.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Like my uh, my in-laws are like cringe inside because they're like accountants and very adverse to risk. So they're like, "How could you, you can't put your money in that? It's too volatile." <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I've heard that too. Back in um, 2011, I was working at Fannie Mae, which is like a mortgage company here, like government type of mortgage company. And I remember telling the chief economist that, you know, I think blockchain was going to be really important for mortgages in the future and mm-hmm. tapping into that and Bitcoin. And I remember he was just like, that's such a scam. Don't like, don't be silly, Stephanie. Don't ever like, let's go actually work on the paper, the housing paper that you're supposed to be working on. And so that day mm-hmm. I went and bought a couple of Bitcoin because I was like, you know what? I'm going to show you, dude. And my parents, even up until like now, were like, no, you need to sell it. You need to get rid of it. Like you shouldn't have ever done that. I mean, it was such a contentious issue where it's like, you know, why why are you hating it when you don't understand it? But I've definitely seen that same kind of opinions. And my thought is ignore them all. That's what I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's what I did. (laughs) There you go. It's working out great for us. (laughs) All right, Jordan, with thinking about digital transformation, I think it'd actually be fun to do a quick lightning round. Let's do it. Let's do it up. All right. First question. You have a minute or less to answer. What is the worst advice you received when going through the transformation?
0: I think we spent a lot of time on how we would, categorize our products in the new system that we were building. And we had a lot of emphasis on like trying to make one product fit into only one category. And what I've learned since is that that really doesn't matter. Um, At the time, I was told like that it's like a big seo faux pas to have it in like a product be in multiple places or like to have like different ways of categorizing a product on the same website i remember thinking at the time like well sephora has like you know their cuts by concern or by like you know their makeup stuff or ingredients and i was but like i didn't i don't know i just i guess because i was he the person i got that um information for was my mentor i was like okay and i've never done this before you must be right Um, and, uh, yeah, what I learned is that it really doesn't matter. Um, and actually having all of the different cuts that I identified that would be cool to have, um, would actually have made our experience a lot, a lot better from a customer perspective.
1: Mm, That's a good one. Yep. Yep. That's great. Okay. Next up, what kept you up at night? What were you most worried about throughout the process?
0: I was most worried about the speed at which we were, we were moving because as a product manager, it's important to think about all of the different scenarios and how everything that you're doing impacts everything else and all the different systems and, you know, scenario edge case of this of customer doing X, Y and Z. And it's really important to move fast when you're, when you're doing digital transformation, because if you don't, and if you go through, let's say, you know, like a two year digital transformation, by the time you finish implementing that solution, it's going to be obsolete because technology moves that fast. And so for me, I had a hard time kind of balancing the speed of which we were moving with being able to think through like all of the different pieces of, of this like bullet train that we were headed down. Um, and so I, we like, we had to make some concessions and, and like, didn't have the time to think through as thoroughly all of the different pieces. But I think, you know, we, we sacrifice speed, I think for quality in some respects, but the great thing about digital is that you can continually iterate. So we put out our MVP and, you know, continued to make it better from there. Yep. Yep. All right. What was the
1: biggest surprise throughout the experience?
0: I would say the biggest surprise that I had was how important change management is to a digital transformation. And also like, I guess one of the things like, as I was like trying to get myself up to speed with digital transformation, heading into it, um, you read a lot about like these three pillars of technology um, process and people, and that all three of those things are fundamental to digital transformation. And conceptually, it makes sense. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But like, once you get into it, you just get so focused in on the technology part that you kind of forget about those other two things. And I think that kind of like circles back into like the change management piece of it, because we kind of, I think forgot a bit about those two other, like the people in the process bit. And so it's like, we were like technology wise, ready to launch. And then all of a sudden we launched in like our, we call them like our, our customer happiness team. They're like our customer service team. And they're like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I don't, I like, I didn't have enough training to understand this. Like, um you know, even like things like, you know, um, merchandising products on the background, like we, we didn't spend enough time teaching our teams internally how to use these great new tools. And, and even now, I think we're, we've, we, we're still learning them a bit because there's just so, so much there. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Okay. And the last one, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to anyone who is considering this path?
0: If you're going to be going through a digital transformation that touches on a website, do not forget to have a very intricate plan for seo transition because it it can make or break your brand we've learned some of this the hard way and it's really hard to i would say like make sure that you work with a partner, um, whether it's an agency or you have somebody internal that's like an SEO whiz um, that can help guide you through that process and have like a really clear plan of how you're going to transition URLs and make sure that all of the great the great traffic and and clout that you've built with the brand and website that you have today is able to transfer over to the new solution that you build. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, now I'm curious, how do you make sure it transfers over? I mean, I'm sure it's like a thousand little pieces, <laughs>
0: but how do you actually do that? It is. I am no SEO. Like, I mean, I, okay. I know, you know, SEO to a certain degree, but like I I would not profess to be an SEO expert. Um, but there's like a lot of things that we we hadn't thought about, like, you know all of the different versions of URLs that we were going to have for all of the, the regions that we're in. And how do you make sure that the right version of that URL for, let's say, AHA, BHA, our, our AHA, BHA product, when I'm searching in the UK, how do I make sure that version of the product page shows up when somebody searches on Google? It's hard to like think about, but like there are really important pieces to making sure that you can still get the traffic that you need um, going to your site. Mm, that's great okay that was awesome all right well
1: with that jordan thank you so much for joining me today it was a pleasure having you on where can people learn
0: more about you uh they can reach me on linkedin um jordan dick pretty easy to find i've got a uh a cat in my profile picture so <laughs> that will be your tell It was <laughs> easy tells like there's
1: jordan all right i know uh where i can start our conversation off with it's amazing thanks so much jordan